Welcome to the Unveiling Grace podcast, a place to find freedom from the shame and pressure of performance-based religion. Enjoy another episode with Lynn Wilder and Joel Grote as they and their guests share personal stories and wisdom from the Bible that just might surprise you. We invite you to experience a grace that heals. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another Unveiling Grace podcast. Once again, we're always glad you're with us. And today we are delighted to have a special guest. But since I'm introing the podcast, Lynn Wilder is going to intro the guest. So I'm Joel Grote. And I'm Lynn Wilder. And we have with us today, Sherelle. And I met like six years ago, and she was a new believer then. Her family is still Mormon. And we're going to talk about how she came to know the Lord, what kind of things she struggled with, what kinds of things the Lord has healed. And um, and God obviously has this message for someone. Welcome, Sherelle. Thank you. Thank you both. Hey, we're (laughs) delighted to have you with us. So what we often do is just say, tell us a little bit about your family history, spiritual background. yeah, growing up LDS, if you did that, and how far back generationally your family goes. Okay, well, um, I was actually born in Blackfoot, Idaho, which is very close to uh, Idaho Falls, um, oh, yeah. the other little towns there. So my, my grandparents adopted my mom when she was a very, very little baby. I think okay. fresh in the hospital, they called my grandparents and said, we have a little girl for you. And they were very much LDS. From what I know, my grandpa's parents were also LDS. My grandma, I believe her dad and her dad's family was, I'm not sure about her mom too much. Um, My mom grew up Mormon. She met my dad who lived right down the street and he was Catholic and they got married right out of high school and had me. And wow. we, moved, we moved to Washington, I think, before I was a year old, from what I understand. But I spent every summer with my grandparents right back there in Blackfoot, Idaho, from okay. one years old all the way up to the teenage years until I got too cool for the grandparents. <laughs> oh, but was and, that fun, though? Was it fun just going, spending uh, summers? Because I remember doing that once or twice with my grandparents who lived on a farm in rural Michigan, and we were in the city. <laughs> And I, I mean, I loved it. I loved the happiest times of my life. (laughs) (laughs) And now that um, I'm a grandma, I love to hear that. (laughs) Yes. Those memories never stop making them. Oh my goodness. The grandparents, I have them so imprinted in my brain. I enjoy every memory, (laughs) even the ones of going to church. And that's, that's who I went to church with from little to gosh, my grandparents were the ones who took me every summer. My parents were not uh, members. If they were, we never went. I did go with my mom's brother, my uncle, who also lived in Moses Lake, Washington at the okay. time. So even when I wasn't with my grandma and grandpa, I was still attending with my uncle. Okay. And I did that all the way up to, again, the teenage years. And my parents went started going to church when I was 14, I believe. 
All right. And that, that was my rebel stage. I mean, I had, we had no rules. I was able to go and do as I pleased. So when my parents started the church, a lot changed, including the friends I was allowed to hang out with, um, my clothes. I mean, a lot of rules came and I had no idea why. Oh yeah. That's a pretty radical change for a 14 year old. Yeah. And I have a 14 year old now. So it's, I I see it now (laughs) from that perspective, like, oh goodness. And what a difference, right? If you had joined a biblical Christian faith, you probably wouldn't be telling us that story, right? That all of a sudden you get active in Mormonism and you have all these rules, right? Because it's the workspace faith. Yes. Yes. So, so what, so what did you do with that? I mean, did you just like decide to toe the line? Were you the good kid and went, okay, I'll go along with the rules or did you (laughs) buck them? What? I think I was, I, I was kind of in between. I, I was with, I loved my parents and I've seen amazing changes for my dad. He was an alcoholic. So that slowly started to change him. And how could I not love that? Our whole life was changing. However, my freedom and what I wanted to do as a teenager, that conflicted a lot. And I became pregnant at 17 with my boyfriend. Yeah. So you can imagine exactly how that went when I became pregnant. Yeah, that's a really. Let's camp there for a minute and tell us. Um, what that was like within the LDS culture to get pregnant at 17. Um, I remember when I found out I was pregnant, I was terrified. And I don't know if I was terrified of the church or my parents, <laughs> but I, I remember I left home. Actually, I left home and I went with my boyfriend and we didn't know what we were going to do. And I was gone for a day until my, my dad found me. Um, and when he found me, that is where he actually had told us, you guys need to get married. That was the first time I had heard anything about getting married. And we were, no, no. <laughs> and, um, oh, cause you were 17. How old was your boyfriend? 18. Eight. So he was a senior and I was a junior. Wow. Was, so, was yeah. he LDS as well? No, his family was Catholic. He never went to church besides, you know, maybe a funeral for the rosaries and stuff, but he didn't know church or God. And I just, I mean, I knew what was inside of me because my grandma inputted that in me, my grandparents, but it was just more of like, oh, my happy place, my happy time with my grandparents. I don't really remember learning the LDS teachings at such a young age. So then becoming the teenager, I don't really, I didn't really know what to expect, but then my mom had took me to the Bishop's office. I didn't know why we were going and the topic got brought up about adoption in this office. And I thought that they were going to give me more resources on, you know, keeping the baby. Where could I turn for a little bit of assistance? And that, that was not brought up. It was adoption first in the office. So when I had made it clear that I was going to keep the baby He did also talk a little bit about marriage, which we knew we didn't want to do at that time. Um, And then the one thing that I'll always remember, because it it plays a huge part, part in my journey as we'll get to that later, but he started talking about how I couldn't take sacrament. And I didn't understand the significance of sacrament at that time. I, I took it every day, every Sunday. I didn't quite know why. And then I got told I couldn't take it no more until the pregnancy was done. 
And I remember thinking that that was a little strange. Yeah, that's fascinating because being pregnant isn't a sin. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> uh, anyway, so, but that was the condition. You may yes. not take sacrament until after this baby is born. Yes. And wow. I also had to leave the, um, I don't know what it was called, but the teenage girls, you know, we all got together on Wednesday like young women. Young women. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Young I women. could, I could mm-hmm. no longer attend that. And I needed to go to the Sunday class with my mom, which I can't even remember what that was called. Is it relief society or is that something else? Yes. Relief society. Yes. Okay. Uh-huh. I only know that. Cause I, my mom talks about it a lot right now. And I always think, is that the class that I went to on Sundays? And that was, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I want to stop just for a second and make it clear that the LDS Church is not talking about you going to secular adoption services. They want this child adopted through LDS services That's so that they saying. can be with a strong Mormon family and be raised LDS. This would be a typical pattern in the LDS Church, right? Yes, yes, yes. Wow. And I didn't know that at that time. It was just the thought of, I'm going to give my baby away. No, no, I'm not doing that. Yeah. So um, then where is your boyfriend then in all this mix? Because he's not LDS. Mm-hmm. Um, so he doesn't like have any loyalty to the LDS system or to your leadership. So what's his response to now from your dad and now the LDS leadership? Well, you know, you guys got to get married what he was he didn't like the fact that I went to a Mormon church and I didn't understand why um I think I was still well that's my family you know and it's fine it's I didn't see anything wrong with it and then he came from a family where he didn't even go to church he was also a baseball player so they had hopes and dreams for him in the sense of well, she's just trying to trap you so I had a lot of things fighting against this pregnancy including including her dad, my boyfriend at that time. Um, okay. Because you well, said then, he was a senior in high school. So was he like looking at college scholarships at this point to play baseball? Yes. Wow. That's yes. a big deal. Well, Very big. And here's an interesting thing I've run into. The Catholic church is very clear that Mormonism is not in the body of Christ. So some denominations Gosh. kind of ignore the thing and, you know, say whatever. But but Catholics are very clear. The Pope said something years ago, and they have a strong feeling, right? Mormonism is not a good place to be. Mm. So that was all added to the mix, right? Yes. And without me even knowing that now, I I see that. Yeah. Yeah. So. um, But you fought all of that and decided to keep your baby? I did. I did. Um, eventually the church members, I, that from what I remember, a lot of the women, and it could have been because they loved my, my mom and my dad. And they're still, there's one family in particular, they came to my, my wedding. They came and sent my daughter some, um, graduation money just a couple of weeks ago. So I'm still, I love these families and they threw mm-hmm. me a baby shower. I mean, once I said I was keeping this baby, a lot of the members either grew to accept it, or they just loved my family so much that they accepted it. Wow. But there was not any other girls there pregnant at my age. I was the only one. Yeah. They didn't want you to have any influence over young women, I assume. So they removed you into relief society. So all of a sudden you're an adult. 
common. At 17, yeah. Yikes. Oh, man. So, but you got married where? Oh, okay. So, the Mormon church or? Um, Before the baby was born, my husband ended up going to jail for committing a very violent crime, not against me, but he came from a very rough family. His, his upbringing, oh gosh, that's a whole other story. Um, so we had our little girl. He was released from jail when my little girl was, she was two to three months old when he got out of jail. So during this time, especially this is when the church really started to work on me in a sense of, Oh, I didn't, I forgot to mention, I was baptized by my uncle when I was eight years old. I do remember that. So I was already baptized. Um, So now here I am. Now we're talking a lot uh, more about rules. Okay. No drinking coffee. Um, Definitely no alcohol. I wasn't even legal at that point to drink alcohol, but I was still running amok. Um, Not at that time because I was pregnant, but that's the life that I led up to where I was. Um, So I have the baby. Me and my boyfriend are still living a very chaotic life, him in jail, me at my mom's. And I believe I slowly started listening to the teachings, not understanding, but just following. Because here I am, a single mom with my boyfriend in jail. I'm living with my mom. I'm just trying to finish high school. And hopefully when my boyfriend gets out, I can go and start a life. Then all of a sudden we get to, you know, you have to be sealed in the temple. Don't you want to be with your family forever? I remember those, those, I remember all the nice things and how lovely it sounded. And now I'm going to be sealed in the temple with my parents. And I did, I got sealed. Okay. This is why your husband's in jail still? Well, my husband's in jail still. Okay. Um, They're at least making that link to you. So now they've got you sealed to them for their forever family but they're holding the same thing out to you once your husband's out. Are they encouraging you to proselytize him and have him and you be a former family? I don't remember that while he was in jail. And I, I think they were kind of hoping we would go our separate way. So maybe that's why that wasn't pushed until he got mm-hmm. out and we were right back where we started because then we started going together. He started coming with me. Okay. We, we got the blessing from my grandpa over my one month old or two month old. Yeah. Cause he was out. So he, I must've waited till he, till she was two months. Cause he was out of jail at that point. So we got the blessing. We started going to church and honestly, you guys, I don't remember a lot about it, but my, I'm married to him now. So, so my husband has told me, <laughs> Sherelle, you don't remember them bringing missionaries and older gentlemen. And then they brought a really old gentleman that was like the top of the top because my husband had questions. My boyfriend <laughs> at that time had questions and mm. I don't remember that. I don't remember the talks we had. The only thing I remember is sitting in my mom's living room while these people are talking to my boyfriend and my boyfriend just fighting it and having all these questions. And I remember feeling so embarrassed, even though I didn't know what we were being taught. I felt embarrassed <laughs> that my boyfriend was fighting mm. this so much. And I didn't understand why. Um, because you didn't have any questions at that point. You just, the church was all you've known in terms of religious instruction. And so, you know, why would you not accept it? It's part of my whole religious history in life. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that would be really hard. Okay. Um, we so ever, well, and part right? of that culture is to be 
compliant. You know, I was certainly compliant. So part of that's personality, but part of that's also acculturated in Mormonism. Especially the expectation for women to be compliant to priesthood authority. And my husband did not want to be part, or my boyfriend at that time did not want to be part of that. Um, so what happens? This is like, this is like, this is like nonstop tension. I cannot imagine the amount of tension and conflict that's just like going on. And it was, and I am not, I don't like tension. I don't like confrontation. I will run the other way (laughs) to avoid it. And my husband's like, no, we have questions. My boyfriend. So then, um, fast forward, I left home as soon as my boyfriend got out of jail uh, he started going to college. We both started going to college in Wenatchee. We knew we didn't want to be in Moses Lake. I never fought him on the fact of, no, we have to still go to church. I mean, when I left, I was now 18. I have my high school diploma. Let's go. It was never a thought of, I wanted to go to church, which right now I think, well, gosh, why didn't I? So, um, we, we ended up having another daughter. Um, so now we have these two little girls. 2007. So my first daughter was born in 2004. So between 2004 and 2007, we now have two little girls. We still are living away from Moses Lake, which might have been a blessing in disguise because it was away from, from what I knew, yeah. you know, all the so, Mormon influence and pressures. I'm guessing you're not going to church anywhere then, but my parents are still sending missionaries wherever I move. So I'm yeah. still getting knocks on the door. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't, I didn't ever see anything wrong with it. They were the nicest people and I'm a young mom. They were always there to help. They were wonderful. Mm, and then yeah. they would stop because we wouldn't go to church. That just wasn't where we wanted to go. Okay. Um, wait, wait, wait. Does that seem right for a relationship to end? If you're not going to church, see, that would not be typical hopefully in the Christian world, right? right, That you develop a relationship and then you just drop someone because they're not up to your standards or they're not doing what you think they ought to be doing. No, in the Christian world, it's the opposite, right? If, especially if somebody's struggling with something, you're going to be there for them more, right? Yes. Yes. So me and the girls' dad, we ended up splitting up in 2008. Oh, wow. And yeah, we stayed split. We were very young. We did not know how to love. And we were very toxic for each other. That was not healthy for me. That was not healthy for Mm -hmm. our girls. And it just needed to happen. Yeah. So the second part of the story and all this time, I am not going to church. I am now a mother of two works very hard to take care of my girls, pay my bills and party. Say, are you also I having could. to work? Um, yes. Is he supporting you? Are you supporting you? He's mm-hmm. pretty much gone from the picture. He's, he was that dad okay. who called on birthdays on holidays and that was it. Okay. So I supported my girls and, um, I was a mess, a big mess. <laughs> Living um, in an apartment, working where? I was, I lived in a duplex. I worked at the Walmart Vision Center for a very long time. And then I became a bill collector. Ooh. <laughs> okay. The person who doesn't like conflict is not going to go collect the money from people who don't want to give it up. Okay. 
it was a job. It was, and you know, yep. that's what I remember. My dad raised me where you take what you can get and that is it. You don't ask questions. You take whatever amount of pay that they give you. That's it, Miha. Okay. Okay, dad. <laughs> and that's how I got into that industry. And then the money was really good. And me and the girls lived comfortably. So I stayed, oh, I did God. that for six years. Yes. So okay. as awful as it was, we were taken care of. Mm. Now um, at this point, once your husband leaves, does the LDS church try to step back in again? And will you back in with promises of help or welfare or housing or just babysitting anything or not any more than what, um, you know, if my parents may be called, cause they were still coming, they'd still come to the door and, and okay. At that point in time, I didn't really want anything to do with them. Right. You know, so, and I don't think it had anything to do with bad feelings. It was just like, no, um, I'm, I'm living a life of sin and I don't belong anywhere, anywhere. So I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing. And you guys can go knock on other people's door. I was still very nice about it, (laughs) Right. but that I felt like I, at this point in time in my life, I was, um, an alcoholic. I was extremely promiscuous and I was not worthy of anything that God had to offer from what I learned. Right. But you're, so you're, so you're living that life and you're also aware that what you're doing is wrong in the eyes of God. And so it's like, okay, if I'm going to live this way, I don't deserve God. So fine. Forget religion. Can't measure up anyway. Exactly. That was my upbringing. So that was instilled in me without even knowing it was instilled in me. Yep, that whole so, worthiness, earn whatever you How did that change? Yeah. <laughs> okay, um, let's see, what are we in right now? So it was 2015. It was the summer of 2015. And me and my girls packed up. We took a plane to Texas with my family because we were doing the Quesada reunion and we were so excited to be there. Okay. Aww. Yes, so this, this is where my journey started. So... Um, after the family reunion, middle of the night, okay, my family owns a lot of land over there. So it was a party. I mean, we had a big old field of horses. We had bounce houses. We had pools. We had food. We had music. It was the best night ever. Um, the next morning, me and my girls were getting ready to fly out, fly back home. And our phones started ringing. We, we were staying with family members and my, all of our phones started ringing that one of my cousins, two of my cousins had been hurt that night. One of them, her name was Yvette, is dead. And the other one is in the hospital oh, no. um, with a gunshot wound and nobody oh. knew what happened. Oh, um, my cousin oh, Yvette, man. just a little backstory on her. She had just graduated high school. And she loved God. She was a Christian girl. And I remember at that, I remember at this reunion, she, when she first showed up, she was late. She came and gave us a hug. And this is family that I don't get to see very often, but we get to see grow up online. You know, social media is great for that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So I remember her running around this reunion. She comes up and she gives me this huge hug and says, oh, I'm late. But, you know, I, I had to be late. My friend got baptized today and I could not miss it for the world, cousin. And I'm like, that's beautiful. I had no idea about Christianity. I think only in my head it was like Mormons, Catholic, Jehovah Witness. That's about all that I knew about different religions. So I didn't know anything about nothing besides she loved God, her friend got baptized. She was super excited about it, but it was a different kind of excitement than I had ever seen before. 
My cousin had this light around her and she ran around singing these songs I had never heard before. She shared this love of God that I had never heard before. So when I found out that she was the one who was dead at that point, I was in so much question. Um, it ended up being a gentleman at the party who said he was a cousin. He grew up, I guess, with our Texas family, but he wasn't related by blood. And he just did a very awful thing, a very awful thing. And um, he ended her life. Her brother, the one who was in the hospital, um, he eventually came to, and that is the only reason that this guy got convicted was because uh, my cousin Yvette, her brother, was the one who was able to testify and say this is what happened. Wow. So coming back home to a messy life that I was already living now turned into a very dark life. How could God let something happen to somebody who praised him, who worshiped him, who followed him? How could he let that happen to somebody so beautiful, but I'm still here. I'm still here living a sinful life and I should not be here. So that's kind of where that went. <laughs> that's, and we are out of time. And that is the perfect question to let just hang in the air, right? Yeah. How could someone who loves God be taken from the earth and why? And here I am living this probably not God-approved life, and I'm here. And we'll answer that question next week when we finish the story. Oh, man. Grace and peace to the two of you. I cannot wait to hear what happens. Me either. Thank you, Sherelle. Yeah. So long, everybody. See you next time. Thanks so much for listening to the Unveiling Grace podcast. You can find show notes and leave us your comments and questions at unveilinggracepodcast.com. We would love to hear how the podcast has helped you. We are so grateful for you, our listeners, and the donations that keep us on the air. To say thank you, we are offering a free gift with a donation of any amount. Just go to unveilinggracepodcast.com and click on the free gift button to get yours. Thanks for joining us on the Unveiling Grace podcast, where you can experience a grace that heals. <laughs>